Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the UT Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. We have a special episode. We always have a special episode. I say that every single time because <laughs> it's always special. Uh, we have Troy Bear, who's the managing broker of Van Eaton and Romero a ladder and bloom company. Right. I have to make sure I add long, that. Long, long, long. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to be talk, just talking a little bit about the real estate market and uh, a little bit about Van Eaton and Romero and uh, all those things, real estate. And we'll talk a little bit about Troy's uh, uh, life and how what he does outside of real estate and all that <laughs> good stuff. But first, you already know we have to give a shout out to our sponsor. Um, so the sponsor of the podcast, this is the last episode that they're sponsoring. So um, just keep that in mind. But it's Sterling Automotive Pre-Owned Group. Um, their logo is on the bottom of the screen right there. So purchasing a vehicle, a pre-owned vehicle, is always a huge challenge for many people. Uh, it usually un- causes undue stress and pressure on prospective owners. Uh, Sterling Automotive Group wants to help remove some of that stress by providing dependable vehicles and an incredible selection across all locations. You have direct access to over 800 quality pre-owned vehicles uh, across five cities and three different parishes. Um, They have several locations and they're they're a growing company, so there's more locations coming. Um, You can view their inventory at saveatsterling.com. And if you're watching, you can see it on the screen right there, saveatsterling.com. Uh, usually shopping online is the best way to go to kind of break the ice yourself and not have to worry about a salesperson running up to you trying to, you know, mess your your, your vibe up. But uh, pick out your car online and then you can either buy it online. I think you can purchase it online or uh, go to the uh, the dealership themselves and find it and say this is the one you want and do your thing. And uh, you can check them out on Facebook too, facebook.com slash Sterling Auto. And so we do appreciate Sterling Automotive Group for sponsoring. Uh, we wish they would have continued to sponsor. However, uh, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for that. And on with the show. So, Troy, thank you for coming on to the show. And uh, just tell a little bit of, about yourself real quick, and then we'll get started. So, uh, as you said, my name is Troy Bear. I am managing uh, broker and president with Vanny Romero currently. I've been in the real estate business about 18 years. Um, interesting way I got into it was I was a physician recruiter for a hospital system. Um, and when I would do community tours trying to sell doctors on coming to this area and joining practices or maybe even starting up a practice, the question of real estate always came up. Well, how much to live in this neighborhood? Well, how much, you know, how, where should I live? Um, my parents were both in real estate and uh, they ended up encouraging me to get into real estate. So I said, wow, you know, uh, that would be kind of a neat, kind of somewhat of a captive audience. Uh, recruit a doctor, the relationship's there. Yeah. Uh, maybe we uh, sell them a house. So, so I started off that way. I got mm-hmm. licensed and... Uh, and uh, started off doing the physician recruiting thing while I was uh, still doing real estate and selling houses. And I only sold real estate for four years. In 07, I was asked to come into management for a local company. Um, and uh, for some reason, I decided to take that position, stepped out of sales, came into real estate full time on the management side. Um, and ultimately, I joined the management team at Van Eaton in 2011. Um, I would say joining Van Eaton basically really helped elevate my game. Um, I was mentored by a gentleman by the name of Bill Bakke, um, uh, who taught me a lot in, the, in that time frame. And, um, and I was blessed when he retired in 18 to, uh, to fill his position. Um, so I've been on the managing side since 07. Um, I enjoy it. I like problem solving. My job is a lot of problem solving, helping agents try to figure out how to get certain deals fixed. Um, it can get complicated out there. You know, those documents are legal documents that buyers and sellers are, are entering into. And so uh, we do a lot of troubleshooting of contracts. 
uh, try to direct vision, try to help people grow businesses, um, try to help people get in the right mindset. Um, and, and I think that just kind of is a skill set that we've, I've, I've, I've learned to develop and, and I enjoy it. So um, I've got two kids. I've got a ninth grader at STM. I've got an eighth grader at Cathedral. Uh, my wife and family, they own an automotive company. Uh, car okay. Dealer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. I'm sure when she's watching, all the people at Sterling are good people. They yeah. really are good people. Um, and so, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, between our jobs and, uh, and, and our kids' activities. I feel like I'm a Uber driver some days. You feel like you're an Uber driver. <laughs> Look, man, that's a, Getting that's them a, to all their activities. That's a part of being a parent. Uh, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old, and we just signed him up for Wee Ball. So uh, we're waiting to get that ball rolling. And oh, it's, it's, when it rolls, it's going to roll, it's friend. It's going to roll, right? <laughs> um, so you've been in the real estate business for, you said, 17, 18 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. Um, in the beginning... When, how long did it take you to make your first real estate sale? Do you remember that? I, I do. You know, interesting. When I got into real estate, uh, Lafayette's economy was was booming. The real estate market was on fire, and there every year there was just continuous growth. Um, so when I first got into the business, um, again I had somewhat of a captive audience. I was working with a lot of doctors and physicians that were relocating to the area. Um, but I do. I mean, in, in probably within four months, I had my first thing on the contract, and it was a lot. It was a $25,000 lot that I was selling to a, a, a builder so that he could build a, a spec house on. Um, and, and then I just kind of kept going from there. Um, real estate. So it, at that time, it was a little bit easier than it is now. How so? Uh, well, things have shifted a lot. I think, uh, you know, um, qualifying people for loans um, was a little easier at that time. You know, after the mortgage crisis and belt makes uh, meltdown, um, you saw people get a little bit stricter on, on making sure that people were more qualified. Um, a lot less real estate agents in the market at that time. Oh, yeah, because it's super uh, saturated right now, right? I'd say, there, uh, I think, somewhere between fifteen and 1,600. Just in, in our in area? Acadiana, wow. In Acadiana. Um, I think the national stat says the average consumer knows 12 real estate agents. Wow. That's... So when you think about that and you think about um, real estate agents are, are really entrepreneurs. Um, you know, people will say, hey, I know so-and-so works for you. And then I'll, my immediate response back is, no, they don't work for us. Um, they're our business partner. You know, they are, they're starting up a business. It's our job to help facilitate helping them grow their business, giving them tools and services, uh, products, advice, whatever it is to help them grow their brand. Um, they're truly operating um, a business. So, um, so... When they say, hey, so-and-so no, works for you, I say, no, so-and-so is my partner. Um, and we have probably, we have, you know, roughly about 300 business partners throughout the Acadiana area. Um, and so uh, it's tough, though. So you have to really get out there and spend a lot of time. If you want to be successful in this business, this has to be what you do. Um, I know a lot of people kind of, they jump in, they have other jobs. They come into the business and uh, and think they can do this, you know, after hours and on weekends. And yeah, you might get uh, four or five sales a year doing that. But um, those that really want to make a good income, really want this to be their career, they've got to sit and, and, and work on it every day. No different than any, any business owner right. has to get out there and work on their business every day. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do, you know, encourage them to be able to get out there and fight that fight. You know, we make sure that, you know, we get, we arm them with, with tools and technology to help them, but also the understanding of, you know, even though the market's doing great, you know, there's 15, 1600 competitors out there. And, and, um, and now we have an interesting business and in our business in real estate is something like I've never seen before. Uh, and I don't know of any other industry that does that. 
um, as they are our competitors, we're the only industry that I, understand, I know that relies on our competitors to get the job done. Um, meaning that we cooperate commissions with our competitors. Um, Explain that. I will. This is quite interesting. And I don't think a lot of uh, people don't understand that. So a prime example would be um, I list your house mm-hmm. and you're paying me a 6% commission of the sales price uh, as the um, as the price, as our, as our fee. So we work on a contingency fee basis, meaning that the day we list your property, we start spending money. We also take half of that 6% and we, we offer it to any other broker in the marketplace to attract their agents to want to come and hopefully get their clients to see our listings. So yes, we are charging a 6% to be able to, as our fee, but we're from the get-go, we're offering half of it to any other brokerage in, in the community uh, to b- bring their pool of buyers to hopefully get this home sold in, a, in, a, um, in as fast a time as possible. Right. So as, as we're all competing to get listings, as we're all competing as brokerages to say, hey, we believe we're the better firm at the same time, I need to have a good relationship with my competitors in the marketplace so that we can negotiate deals, get things done, try to get as smooth transactions as possible so that the consumer, whether they're on the buying side or the selling side, feel like they had a great experience. And, um, and then when we close it, so if it's another brokerage on, on, um, in the community, Half of that commission, that the fee that I got for marketing it, they now will take half of it, and they will pay themselves and their agent, and then we'll take the remaining 3%, pay ourselves, pay our agent, and what we're all doing in that case is the agent's just trying to recoup now marketing expenses right, right. that they've already taken out of their pocket, and hopefully that they've made enough income uh, after doing so to be able to um, take care of their family. Right, right. So it's it's I don't know of any other industry out there that um, that does it this way, where you know when you're in direct competition, you still need to have a relationship with your competitor so that you can hopefully uh, create smooth transactions. You know, it's so it's so interesting that you bring up this this kind of you know situation because whenever we my wife and I bought our home we bought in uh, 2015 uh-huh. so we had uh, an agent who uh, I believe he had just started um, mm-hmm. and I don't know which company he's with I think mm-hmm. he went with one and then he transitioned but yeah. um, anyway and then we were looking at we, you know we used the Zillow and the realtor app you know I mm-hmm. think any yeah. any buyer should use those to their advantage mm-hmm. and the real estate agent our real estate agent was also browsing as the uh, is it the MLS. MSA, yeah, yeah that. right and so uh, he was browsing that and he would send us stuff and then we would also browse realtor and all those other apps uh, I one I like one more than the other but I'm not gonna go there mm-hmm. but I thought we saw one pop up literally just that that day and we were like dude we want to go look at it yeah and it wasn't his listing right and I was like I thought about it I was like how how does he get paid? If we're buying from another real estate agent. So, then that's how it works. So, you talked about that MLS. So, to protect that cooperative agreement, the real estate brokers, we will post it, that in the MLS. So, if someone is, uh, another real estate agent is searching through the MLS, trying to find the property that meets your criteria, price point, bedrooms, location, whatever it may be, um, it is clearly posted in there that we are offering this percentage to the broker um, of any other firm that uh, will help us, will bring a buyer, and that we can work collectively to negotiate a deal to get the house sold. Wow. And so, um, you know, and uh, our fee is, uh, is, is typically a standard fee. Might be a little higher than, than some people are offering. However, we believe that, you know, 
first of all, this is a the, the real estate agents. I told you before, they're in business for themselves. Yeah, they're trying to make a living, and they need to make a living. Yep. So when you work on a contingency fee basis, that means that um, you're you're hiring me to sell your house, but I'm going to start marketing and spending money from day mm. one. And if for some reason in the next six months, because we usually take six month agreements. If for whatever reason the house doesn't sell and you choose to maybe relist it with someone else, I'm out all those expenses. Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. And sometimes market conditions um, will extend the amount of time that a home, a home can be priced right, good condition, in a good location. But for whatever reason, the market might say that there's 10 months supply of inventory out there. So it's telling you that in this price point, it's highly unlikely that we may get it sold within the six months. And so then if we got to extend past six months, that's additional dollars. And they're continuing to spend money. So in some cases, depending upon they're how things are going, even. an agent could be lucky to break even. And, um, and so, you know, but I know that the consumer says, well, when they pay the percentage, it's like, boy, that's a lot of money. And, and it does add up to a time, especially depending upon price points. But also, the higher the price point, the more that's expected. Yeah. The higher the price point right now, the market says, you know, especially 400 and up, we could have double digit month supply of inventory. So it's a, you know, if you got a high priced house, it's, it's not going to likely sell inside six months. So these expectations of, of enhanced marketing for higher price homes, all the things you have to do over longer periods of time, um, it's all money coming out. And they hope to recoup those expenses and make a little bit to feed their families at the same time. So, and, and then with that, we're saying, hey, we'll ha give you half of this if you can help us bring a buyer so we can get this house sold. It's an interesting game. It so is. It, it really is. You mentioned uh, pricing and you know you know different market uh, climates and all that good stuff. I want to get to that in just a second. Okay. We do have two comments, and they're not questions, but they're they're just uh, okay. some good comments. Uh, okay. Lori Robichaud Broussard. Yeah, she goes. I love my career with Van Eaton and Romero. <laughs> hey, Lori. <laughs> and then Jessica uh, Lacourse. Le uh huh. Um, she says, proud to be with Van Eaton and Romero almost eight years. Go Troy. <laughs> Thank so, you, Jessica. So some good comments. Um, two good agents right there, too. Well, they must be because they're watching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you mentioned, you know, sometimes a house, especially a higher-priced house, will stay right. on the market uh, longer than we'd hoped for. Mm -hmm. So what is the current state of the real estate market that that – essentially says that like why would that be a so case? well so we saw um not long after oil and gas kind of to take a shift we started to watch over the last several years our higher end price points start to um to take a little bit longer to sell um the market moved more into an affordable price point and what's um, an affordable price so point? i would so i would <clears throat> say right now You've probably been saying well over eighty percent, close to ninety percent of the market is probably sold three hundred on down. Okay. Um, and affordable price housing, you know, I would say is definitely under three hundred thousand. Um, the bulk of the market right now has been sold between two hundred and two fifty. Um, that seems to be the sweet spot in just about all categories. Um, interestingly enough. Uh, when I say that, you know, so, so here's a quick, quick way to describe it. When we look at um, a balanced market, when you look at an entire real estate market as a whole, and we look at month supply of inventory. So if we say there's six months supply of inventory in the real estate market, that means like if nothing else hit the marketplace, that we should be able to sell everything within six months. Okay. Well, if... And that's balanced. So if the, if you start to get under six months supply of inventory in the market or in specific price points, 
you're moving into a low inventory market. Okay. Okay. And then, but a lot of people like to call that a seller's market because there's not a lot of competition. There's not a lot of houses. And so um, when you start moving in that direction, the buyers need to be a little bit more persistent because, you know, you could see a house today and then it's, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. If you start moving north of six months supply of inventory, now we're starting to move into um, a high inventory, high competition. That means that there are a lot of homes on the market. It means that there are a lot of homes in your price point. Okay. Um, the, obviously, the further north you get a six month supply of inventory, um, it gets even more competition. We saw in some cases, we, I mean, there was some, some price points would have 22 month supply of inventory, wow. 15 month supply of inventory, 10 month supply <clears throat> of inventory. So that was telling us, kind of like what I was telling you earlier, is, you know, we break the market down monthly. Um, Bill Bakke used to do this. And he actually still does it. And, uh, and um, he probably tracks the market uh, more than anybody else has for, um, for years. I think he started in the 90s. And I just kind of kept up what he was doing. But breaking it down by price points, breaking it down by the entire market, which allows our agents to be able to go in and say, okay, you know, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, we're going to enter in this price point. But I want to show you what's happening in this price point. So it's very important that your house is not, we don't test the market and just say, well, I think I want to start here. No, if you're in 10, 15 months supply of inventory, testing the market is not to your advantage. Right. Pricing it correctly is to your advantage. Um, and maybe in those type of situations, pricing it just slightly under might be to your advantage. Um, because it's a crowded field. And, um, and so that's, so we're, we're always looking at that on a consistent basis. The interesting thing in 2018 and 19 that'll blow, that has blown everyone's mind is the real estate market doesn't necessarily feel like it's on fire at times. And I think a lot of that has to do based on what price point you're trying to sell. Right, right. But in 2019, we set throughout all of Acadiana a record year in home sold. 2018 was a record year. So 19 throughout all of Acadiana, and I have it here, finished 6.1% ahead of 2018, um, which was a record year. And then on top of that, for the second straight year in the history of the real estate market, we throughout all of Acadiana, that's all, you know, all the parishes, not just Lafayette Parish, we broke a billion dollars in sales volume. And the uniqueness about that is what I said earlier. It's not like we have this high demand and we're selling all these high price homes. Yeah, we're making a dent in some of that. And, and we have seen some of the month supply inventory come down in those areas, but it's predominantly being done on affordable priced homes. So, and um, so you're making it up in, 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 in units sold. And, um, but depending on who you talk to, someone, if you tell someone that, they'll look at you and say, oh, I, I don't believe that. I don't know, there's no way. And it is a funny market. It really is. It kind of feels different at times. But, um, but 18 and 19 were two very good years as far as total units sold in sales volume throughout Acadiana. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. But so when when a real estate agent goes on to say that it doesn't feel like a good year, but other real estate agents are saying that it feels like a good year, uh, I, I guess what is the case there? Is it just because the the real estate agent that doesn't feel like it's a good year, maybe they're part time or they, they they're well? Not- I, and when I say that, when I first said good year, I I, um, I was more alluding to. Uh, Consumer, okay, the person okay. in the marketplace. Um, yeah, I mean, real estate. There are uh, listen. There are real estate agents that will probably tell you in 2019 that they didn't have a good year, uh, and there's some um, that will say I, I was on fire. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with yeah, crowded feel. If you're not if you're not having a good year, you know, it maybe depends upon where you are in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is also a what you put into it is what you get out of it type right, right. Uh, industry. That's business in general, that, really. That's business in general. And again, I go back to they are entrepreneurs and they're running their businesses. I do find that you know uh, the part-time endeavor, it makes it very difficult. Um, you know, I know I started off saying I was doing physician recruiting and this at the same time, but the only way reason I was able to sustain that four years while doing that other job, and I had a ton of flexibility. Like it didn't matter where I was doing my job. I could have been on the golf course all day. As long as we were recruiting doctors, it didn't matter. All right. Okay. So, but my mom was a real estate agent and she still is. And so if I was traveling, she was my partner. I could hand it off. And I knew I had someone in trusted hands. She was a mentor to me. So it worked. But if you, you know, I think that, you know, my personal opinion there is um, there are a lot of people that come doing this as a secondary income. Um, I, I think that the true professional is the one who does this for a living. The one who works their business every day. Um, this is what they want to do. This is how they feed their family. Um, this is where they wake up every morning. And we have a lot of those in our company. This is what they do. Um, they show up. They work their businesses. And they're out there spending a lot of money and time to not only market themselves, but market their products. Uh, market their builders. Market their developments. Market their homes for the sellers. Um even the ones that are working with buyers, I mean, they may, you know, they could show a buyer 30, 40 houses before the, the trigger gets pulled. Um, a lot of time spent away from their family, um, you know, weekends, uh, evenings, trying to make a living. It's crazy. I, I have a lot of real estate agent friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I've gained a lot more by doing developing Lafayette. Of course. And, you know, meeting so many people. Like, I think. Almost every real estate agent in town, if they are a real estate agent that's actually putting forth an effort, they, they follow us. Mm -hmm. Like every time I make a post, a real estate agent share, shares our stuff and they're trying to show potential buyers that look what's coming into our area, stuff yeah. like that. And so I think it's an amazing thing. Um, so, and I always hear from some of the real estate agents that, uh, you know, they, they, they're on their phone or they're on their computer, like, even late at night, like they don't, they don't have a break. Like if they, if they're really trying to grind, they, they answer their phone at any point in time. You, listen, um, and that's myself included. So you're correct. I mean, again, they are, they're trying to get deals done. They're, they, you know, they don't get healthcare benefits. They don't get draws from oh, the company. Man. They don't get salaries. Okay. They are commission only commission only. Wow. So you have to understand when they are, when, when, you know, I'm taking a year listing and then I'm going to start spending money. You know, this is money. I'm either, I'm having to tuck away out of every commission check I get so I can make sure I can keep things going. Um, and, uh, all, you know, but I still got bills to pay. Um, so it's a constant, it's a constant grind. You know, one of the things that we're working very hard right now is um, with the selling techniques that we all, um, we, we're kind of encouraging inside our company is we're trying to help the agent understand, um, have a life balance. Yeah. Because, you know, you can get into burnout. Um, family's important, you know, um, but it's it's a struggle. And listen, including myself. So you got 300 or so business partners out there. They're working seven days a week. So when I got into the management side of this, you know, I kind of built my foundation on, well, if you work seven days a week, I work seven days a week. So I, I know when I get a phone call on a Saturday at <laughs> one o'clock in the afternoon, this isn't just say, hey, Troy, how you doing? No, it's, a, it's an issue. Something is going on. Yeah. And it's usually something that's going that needs to be worked out so that con transaction can continue and hopefully they can get paid and, and feed their family. So, you know, the funny thing is, you know, I'll be at my son's soccer game and I'm pacing up and down the sideline, Screaming. watching him play <laughs> on my phone, oh, okay. working out a deal, going back and forth, and then you know, and then you know, I hear parents cheering, and I'll, you know, because maybe my back's to, you know, can you hold on a second? What what just happened? Oh yeah, okay, okay, we scored. All right, so then we come back into it, wow. and and I do that all the time, you know, and that's that's kind of something that I feel um, that I owe them 
Because if they're going to make this sacrifice for their family, they're going to uh, spend time away from their family um, and try to get a deal done, then that problem can't wait till Monday. And so um, it's just what we do. And, um, and that is probably the hardest part about this business is really trying to figure out work-life balance. Because um, you're free after hours or pro- probably mostly on the weekend. So if you got all these houses, either we've identified or you found by, you know, looking, um, you're likely going to take, I just likely going to be bringing you around on a Saturday or a Sunday yeah, yeah. Um, or after hours. Um, you know, real estate agents, uh, I, I'll bet you, they, you know, they, they live their lives on community because, you know, the kids have, still have to be at practice, you know, or, or wherever they got to be. And so somebody's got to pick up the slack so they can go show a house. Um, so, you know, they're passionate. They love what they do. Um, they have to if they're, you know, they got longevity in this game. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people fail in this game because they come in with unrealistic expectations. You know, I think HGTV and Bravo oh God, has created yes. this, this thought process of, oh, my God, these people killing it. That doesn't look like hard work. No, because they're not the ones getting up at 5 a.m. to have a routine started that they need to be able to get certain things done, then take care of their family, and then, oh, by the way, they've got to make tons of phone calls, yeah. and they got to work on their marketing, and then they got all these other expenses, um, you know, and, and running it like a business. You know, we are very fortunate that our company offers services of no charge to the agent. So there are a lot of things that we can offer an agent that um, they won't have to pay for, um, that they can utilize in their business. We have people that do um, um, data entry farm. You know, we have a graphic designer on staff. All those type of things, maybe another agent, another company would have to do themselves. We try to find ways to help free up some of their time and, and so that they can prospect. Or instead of spending two hours doing data entry, maybe that's two hours they can spend with their kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a... Uh, we, again, we're partners in this, and we're just trying to figure out how to be a good partner. Um, but the real estate agent out there uh, works hard. They really do. There's no doubt about that. Um, this is a, a quick little side question, okay. and then uh, we have about, give or take, 15, 20 minutes left. Okay. Um, do you watch many real estate te- te- television shows, reality TV? No. No? I don't. Okay. Here's The funny thing is my wife... My son, my son has the aspiration to be an architect. He wants to be an architect and a contractor, and he wants to design, build. And okay. he talks about this all the time. And he watches all those shows. He's just into it. He loves, he's got this thing for real estate. And my wife watches it all the time as well. When when they put it on, I feel like I'm watching work. I don't want to watch it. Oh, yeah, I hear you. I can't do it. I hear you. It's like I've had enough of it. You know, it's like... No, um, it's just my free time, and I don't want to learn anything about houses right now. Um, so, uh, so no, the answer to that is no. I find <laughs> a, a sports or a movie or something else to watch because it's um, when I watch it, it just looks like work to me. However, we did have a, one of our real estate agents recently, uh, Kelly Striva, uh, was a, uh, on House Hunters. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, she wow. uh, she um, helped a couple here in Lafayette find a house. And uh, was picked to be on House Hunters, and that was uh, so in, in two, uh, that was only like a few short months ago. Uh, we wa- so I did watch that episode, but other God. than that, no. Look, House Hunters is such an interesting <laughs> show. Uh, it gets made fun of, but I, I want to try to watch that one. But uh, a lot of the memes that I see about House Hunters is that um, this couple, this young couple uh-huh. or old couple, but most of the time it's a young couple are looking to go to an island or go live on the, the near the water right. and in, a, in an area that doesn't have what you would expect to have like a lot of commercial um, <coughs> viability. And like one of their um, their job titles are like, I love to collect rocks. And then another one's like, 
something else and you're like how do these people afford this 1.4 million dollar house doing what their jobs are uh, like uh, yeah i like, don't know either it's it's mind-blowing <laughs> but they get it gets made fun of all the time because it's like these people have like these imaginary real like yeah. fancy lives yeah. and we're over here like oh god a 1.4 million dollar house that's that's a nice house look i'm just i don't I'm just trying to find free time to be able to just sit still look, for a minute. I get you. I, I don't get know you. if I'm going to get to a, a vacation <laughs> house in the Caribbean. Right. You know? No, look, we'd all love that. Uh, well, what do you like to do for uh, fun besides real estate? You mentioned so, sports and yeah, all that. Yeah, so I I, uh, I love to cook. Uh, cooking. Uh, Surprise. My wife. Uh, somebody my wife, in the Katie and likes my, to cook. Yeah, my wife hit the jackpot. And I hope she's listening. You hit the jackpot. Um, I, I do pr- primarily all the cooking in the house because it, it uh, kind of decompresses me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I enjoy it. What do you like to cook? Um, just about anything, really. I, you know, I, 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 I have a collection of cookbooks. Um, I'll go to a restaurant and be like, oh, I think I could duplicate this, and I'll go home and try it. Um, does it always work out? Sometimes it does. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes it doesn't. But I, I, a variety of things. In fact, my most exciting recent purchase was I bought a 22-inch paella pan. Okay. And so I'm about, I've been kind of... A paella? Paella. So it's like a Spanish jambalaya. Okay. Uh, Not like so, paella. No, no. Like paella, paella. So it's... Uh, in fact, if you go to uh, Pamplona downtown, they've got an incredible one. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to plug that, but... It's all right. But it's incredible. Uh but it's a Spanish jambalaya, and you put seafood, chicken, chorizo. It's just kind of like throw everything into it. It's almost like a gumbo, but it's it's a jambalaya consistency. And uh, so I just bought it because now I want to create this this big paella experience. So I'm always like thinking of various different things. Um, I'm really a really big in in making sure that I'm I'm there for my kids. Yeah. Um, both of my kids are active. I have a daughter that swims at STM. She does uh, CYT musicals. My son's in soccer, does a lot of travel soccer and other things. Um, so we're always constantly on the go with the kids. But um, especially their ages right now, uh, 13, 14, getting closer and closer to getting to college. You know, it's kind of like um, I got I to gotta make sure that I'm around to experience as much as I can with them yeah. as possible yeah. in the next few years. I know you said we have a three and a half year old. Mm-hmm. Listen, and I know people tell you this, but in the blink of an eye, they're 13, 14. And so it's really about, I saw, I, I, I'm not very selfish in that area of just taking a lot of time for myself. Um, I give a lot to my kids, my job. You know, hopefully every now and then my wife and I get a chance to kind of do something for ourselves. But um, my uh, wife's family uh, has a, um, a place at False River. So when we do really get a chance to get away, uh, we make it out to False River and uh, spend a lot of time on the water. It's a great place uh, to spend time with the kids and, yeah. and, and have a good time. Well, uh, that's, uh, dude, I love the water too. Your wife, I think, uh, Christy, right? Christy. So she commented. <laughs> she, <laughs> she said, I did hit the jackpot. And she goes on to say, I can't even make macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Uh, so, so she when I the funny thing about it is she'll go, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna cook tonight, I got it. And then and then I'll have this like look on my face like, like Oh god, are we really doing this? <laughs> and so then I and then I, I, I can't help it. I kinda hover. Oh, I do the and same I'm like, thing. You, I'm so bad at like, it. What are you doing? And like I'll, like she goes, I got it, I got it. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't do it like that. She's I got it, I got it. You gotta step away, dude. You just gotta step away. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But like, uh when my wife starts cooking, <laughs> some especially early on in our marriage, I started hovering because I like to cook too. Yeah. And I, she would said she said, Look, you're making me nervous and I don't want you over me and I don't want you telling me what to do. Right. I'm figuring this out. I'm like, but uh, so you know what? I'm gonna go watch Shark Tank or something. My mind, it's gonna smell good. Hopefully, it's gonna taste good. Either way, we're gonna eat something. Yeah, we're gonna eat. But uh, so she cracked. Yeah, I know. Love you, babe. Sorry. <laughs> Look, I'm pretty sure she forgives you. Obviously, it sounds like you have a great wife. Um, Lori uh, Robichaud again says, "Very informative. Great discussion. Thank you, Troy, and developing Lafayette." Um, 
So uh, I guess one more question uh, before we go, because we're at 40 minutes. Um, what does the future look like for Van Eaton and Romero and the overall real estate market in general? Well, you know, we're very fortunate. Van Eaton Romero is, uh, you know, we are one of the top market share companies. We're, you know, one of the oldest brands in real estate. Um, 2013, we joined the Ladder and Bloom family of companies. Ladder and Bloom is a, a 100 year plus old brand. Um, it's a regional brand owning real estate companies from uh, Houston, Texas, throughout Louisiana into the Gulf Coast. Um, as real estate brokerages go, the Ladder and Bloom family of companies, um, is in probably the top 35 brokerages in the country. Um, so that's a lot of real estate we sell in our, in our geographic area. Um, you know, we, we recently um, acquired Southern Lifestyle Real Estate. Yep. And a couple of years before that, uh, Caldwell Banker, Pelican. Um, we are growing our company with good real estate agents. Um, we, when we identify companies to blend in with, um, we're looking for companies that have similar uh, mentality, similar professionalism, uh, similar uh, thoughts on, on how real estate should be handled. Um, so we're going to continue to keep growing. Um, we're going to continue to keep identifying who fits that kind of, that, I guess, that criteria that we're looking for. Um, we're very fortunate to be part of the Ladder and Bloom family of companies. A lot of the technology and tools that we have in place um, came from them, um, and that uh, helps make us better. And uh, they too have a very similar mindset of um, of community. Van Eaton Romero was started by Gail and Nancy. Gail Romero, Nancy Van Eaton, Bill Bakke ended up joining them years later and running it with them and became a partner. But those two ladies built this on a sense of community. Uh, Bob Merrick in Ladder and Bloom and Lacey Conway, his daughter, have continued to build the Ladder and Bloom systems um, on a sense of community. We give back. We not only give back money, we give back time. Um, we, we serve this community and we give our time back. Um, like currently right now, um, I'm president of the UL Alumni's board. I'm on the advisory board for uh, the College of Business. I've sat on various different boards in town. Um, volunteered for various different um, civic groups, uh, and and that's just kind of part of it, you know. I, I kind of believe if you give to your community, your community will find a way to give back to you, and that's a thought process throughout the Ladder and Bloom family of companies. So I continue to see us being a top market share. I continue to see us continuing our service in the community, and I continue to see us growing. Um, and I'm going to end this off on a really quick note, but when we talk about the future, um, the, you know, the real estate market has started off very strong in, um, in 2020. January, December was a really bad month in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of got an idea month over month based on how pendings are in the, M in the MLS are. Um, so last year, the real, this real estate market started off extremely slow, gained some momentum, um, had some ups and downs, but then gained steam towards the end and, and produced a record year. Um, January right now, in all of Acadiana, uh, January started off 42% um, better than January of 2019. That's all of Acadiana. Wow. Lafayette Parish started off 69.5% better. 69? 69%, 69.5% better than January of 2019. Um, new construction actually finished the year 10.8% behind um, 2018, but it started off 66.7% better than January of 2019. So, the month of January, uh, we had a really strong December. Pendings were up very high in December. Um, we, we obviously saw an incredible month for January. Um, and that's just some of my preliminary numbers that I'm working on because we'll give the report in full to our agents um, on, uh, uh, in a couple weeks. 
Um, for anybody who has any interest in what's going on in the real estate market, if you do go to our Facebook page, there's actually a, a, a video that we shot and put on there this morning. But there's, there is a detailed copy of our 2019 comparison to 18 report that sits there and summarized. You can, you can pull that free copy um, off, off of that uh, Facebook page and you can take a look at it. Um, I'm hoping that 2020 is going to be a grand year. I'm hoping that you know, things shape up. Um, where are these people coming from? I have no idea. Uh, I've been trying to figure that one out. Um, I don't see there's a lot of population growth here. However, it's interesting that it, it the correct, housing it, it correct, just, yeah. and, it, and it, it doesn't make sense. And I've even talked to local economists and trying to figure it out. But a couple things that maybe I, I will share that I think could be the cause of why it's still doing so well is. Even though oil and gas has shifted and people are working in other areas of the, of the country, um, a lot of people are still living here. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, unfortunately, um, people are commuting and doing what they have to do to feed their families. Um, the other thing is, I think affordability of housing is, 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 um, is uh, you know, interest rates are at historically all-time low. You know, well, what that, is it? it's in the threes. Yeah, it's in the threes. It got up into the fours and went back into the threes. I mean, this is when when the government, federal government started uh, buying back those mortgage-backed securities and using all that stuff to reduce interest rates to try to re-stimulate the national housing uh, <clears throat> crisis. Um, I never could have thought over 10 years later we'd still be sitting in historically low interest rates. And I think that they tried to creep them up for a while and realized that there was there was some consumer pushback because if you, my take on it is, if you condition the mindset for over 10 years that interest rates are where they are um, and you have all these generations coming into housing that, have, that don't know that a 6% interest rate is an incredible interest rate, right. um, you know, people kind of freak out. So you've got... Affordable housing is what's primarily being sold. You have historically low interest rates. So, you know, if you're renting for $1,000 a month, well, you can get in the house for $1,000 a month. You can get in a, a decent <laughs> house for $1,000. For, for, yeah. Correct. Um, or in, uh, and interest rates are, are low. And so the lower the interest rate, also the more purchase power the consumer has. The higher the interest rate, the less purchase power a consumer has. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the affordability of homes, low interest rates, you know, maybe in conjunction, and I don't know if that's a, a correct statement, but, you know, when I talk to people and they say, well, I know a lot of people that are commuting back and forth, that they're still living here. You know, maybe that's helping with some well, of this. Well, you don't want to move away from here. I mean, it, we have such great It's very food. hard. Yeah. It's very hard to get away from the, the culture here. Um, as many men have found out when they married a girl from here, they had to relocate here. Oh, yeah, you have to. Uh, and so um, I really think that that's probably part of it. But when you hear all the things you hear about the economic conditions of the state of Louisiana, um, all the things you heard, obviously, during the election seasons, you know, to to stand in there and do a video saying that we had a record year in 19. We sold over a billion dollars in sales volume. People are looking at me like I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And um, but the numbers don't lie. The numbers are the numbers. Yeah. It's just I'm trying to understand where these people are coming from, and I guess the best thing we can come up with is that you know affordability may be taking a lot of people from the renting side and moving them into yeah, home ownership. Maybe um, they say millennials were going to come into the housing market much later. Maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe we're seeing a maybe maybe some of that is millennial driven um, because we you know that's always that said that they were not going to come into the housing market like past generations. They would come in much later in life, uh, mainly due to life uh, situations, marriage, children, growing families. So. Um, I'm going to keep trying to figure this one out, but um, but for the overall region of Acadiana and in Lafayette, 
um, it does look good, especially if you're in those price points that are really popping off the market. Well, this sounds exciting, and we hope that you uh, continue trying to figure out what is the the the, the, the cause the, the cause of uh, the, the housing market being so good? Yeah. And I think you, when you mentioned uh, potential renters going into buying a house, that that makes sense. I mean, until 2015, we went from renting and we bought a house. Yeah. And I know it's weird to say this. Uh, I'm, I just turned 34 yesterday, and I, and I think I'm still considered a millennial. Um, <laughs> I think you are. I had to look at like the dates I think and you the are. years. I think I'm a millennial. Uh, and I, I don't all, I don't fully claim that title because <laughs> millennials are historically known to be crybabies and whatnot. Uh, he, anyway, uh, we did get a house. Uh, I was almost thirty uh, whenever we got a house, uh, and that's just the thing. I mean, we rented for several years. What's good about renting is you don't have to mow your grass. Usually, if you Correct. have an apartment, right, you don't right. have to mow your grass. Right. You don't have to worry about appliances really or like your AC. But something about owning a home. It was just appealing. Of course, you got the equity factor. If you can get some Correct. equity in Correct. it. Uh, now, when something does break, it's your it's, it's your, your responsibility. It's your, it's your responsibility. Right, right. That's the that's the sign right. up sheet that you 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 came up for. But um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see. You know, maybe one day, whenever you figure it out, you'll you'll make a video <laughs> you know, or something. What I'll, I'll I'll tell you first. Okay. So you can break it on developing laugh. That, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> well, uh, Troy, it was uh, great hearing about all the different things that. Uh, Van Eaton Romero is doing and how just the the company works right. and the the culture behind the company I think it's amazing to hear and obviously we've had several good comments so that's a that's usually a good sign yeah, yeah. I, I pay well oh you pay well <laughs> <laughs> well uh, as long as your uh, your business partners your real estate partners uh, continue to uh, drive drive home the sales and do well with what right. they do Van Eaton Romero and a ladder and bloom company, company. will right. we'll, we'll, we'll keep continuing into the future. I appreciate your time, man. Hey, yeah, really thank you do. for coming Thanks. on, man. You have no, a great no problem. One. All right. For information on sponsoring the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette, go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise.